Hello. Hello, George. We are back with uh, another episode of George and Keith's Musings. Today we're going to talk about our 10 favorite non-comedic movies. Uh, We'll do comedies, which we might be more expert at, but we'll do that in the next week or two. But let's start with the the non-comedies. And it's amazing. We do this independently, and we each did um, uh, 10 movies. And we only have one duplicate. And I'm going to start with your number 10, George. All right. I'll play a little clip from it. And then we, this is, this is one that's also on my list, but quite a bit higher. But let's try this. Yeah, that's that's a uh, probably a movie that I may have seen more than any other movie uh, ever. Uh, I watch it at least once a year, every, every December, of course. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life with with Jimmy Stewart giving a, a fantastic performance, and I, I kind of look at this movie as a it's a very Twilight Zone type approach to this telling of a story of a life well lived. Uh, you know, just a guy that that all he wanted to do was kind of go out and explore the world. And, and but he, he, his conscience got the better of him and he kept having to, you know, make decisions that were the, the right decisions for him and for the people around him. Uh, and he got the ultimate reward at the end when he, when he found how, how truly important and blessed he was to, to everyone in his life. Yep. And that movie, like I said, this is the only one we agreed on that movie jumped all the way up. To number three on my list. I mean, that's that's how much I I, I love that movie. It makes makes me feel good all the time. Absolutely. Okay, here comes my number ten movie. Uh, perhaps a bit more obscure than that one. Now that is Christian Slater okay. doing his doing his best Jack Nicholson impression, I think. But the movie is Heather's, and that's probably not a well-known movie. That was uh, released in 1989. Christian Slater was an unknown, um, and he Winona Ryder starred in it. And it was kind of a, a high school click movie, but it also was a precursor to the problems that we have in schools today where uh, you, you're not even surprised when you hear about a school shooting anymore. Yeah, with all the all the outsiders and that. And it was also a, a bit of a dark comedy, too, in a lot of ways. It was. You could, you could go comedy on it, but I think just because, you know, of all the, all the death and everything. Oh, very, um, very dark, for sure. We had, to go, we had to go that direction. Yeah. Um, so we will go to your number nine, and I think this is a pretty well-known, uh, drop for this movie, and I give it away right away. Yep. Of all the 
gin joints in all the towns in all the world. She walks in a line. Yeah, that, uh, there are so many quotes you could have picked from this movie. I think, I think Casablanca maybe has the best collection of quotes in, in movie history. Uh, you know, with, with that one and uh, the beginning of A Beautiful Friendship and We'll Always Have Paris and the, the, the quotes go on and on. But it's a, it's a great movie just in the sense that it's, it's one of the best love stories of all time. And it's this great story of self, self-sacrifice that came out during World War II at a time when uh, that whole generation was, was really sacrificing a lot to defeat you know, the, the evil regimes of the world. So, uh, so Casablanca, I think, was, was very timely for, it, for its time. Uh, and, uh, but, but still just a, just a wonderful movie. So just to understand, you are going to have some colorized movies on your list, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I kind of think, I think most, almost all the rest of them are. So, okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't know if we were, we, it was supposed to be all black and white. And I missed that part of it. Or these, these are my, my, my favorite movies of the forties. Isn't that the list we were doing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, well, here comes my number. Here comes my number nine. It's a quick little drop. You're going to need a bigger boat. And that is Roy Scheider's line from Jaws. Um, no explanation needed on the plot of that movie. Um, I just know that that movie came out like in 75, 76, 77, somewhere in there. And I saw that movie, so I was. 12 or 13 years old when I saw that movie. And there is a scene when Richard Dreyfuss' character, Hooper, is is um, diving into, under a, into a, a boat that had been sunk supposedly by the shark and there's a big rip in the hall of the boat and he looks in there and out floats this bloated body. And <laughs> I'll tell you, I had never been more scared in my life um, than when I saw that scene. But everybody knows Jaws, and I think think everybody can appreciate that. Yeah, uh, very yeah, very suspenseful movie, and it's really the movie that made Steven Spielberg a star. It was kind of yeah. the first, and it was also I think generally regarded as the first summer blockbuster ever. So okay, uh, now we, I, I've got two. Two of our 20 drops are probably the two best. Well, this one for sure, but two of my favorites. And so here's your uh, number eight movie. All right. I know what you're thinking. Maybe five or six shots or only five. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's always exciting, but I kind of lost track myself. Being this is a 44 magnet, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Buck? That is Clint, baby. Oh, well, well, do you, punk? Oh, man, that, I could listen to that over and over again. Uh, yeah, Dirty Harry, and, and for my number eight, I just I include all the Dirty Harry movies on there just because they all. Each one of them at least had one great line in it, delivered uh, in a way that only only Clint Eastwood can can deliver. Uh, he was one of the original uh, kind of 
plays by his own set of the rules, cop. He was, you know, one of the original anti-heroes. Uh, he was always kind of disgusted with all the, uh, the, you know, city hall and, and all the, all the red tape that he had to go through. He just wanted to go out and make the streets safe. And, uh, and I think, yeah. So dirty Harry, uh, just a great, great movie. Yeah. I love dirty. I love all those movies. I love them all. Okay, this one here is uh, a, a classic. No, no explanation needed. Could have gone a long ways on different clips on that one too. Okay. But good old American story of lifting yourself up from your bootstraps. Um, Rocky got a chance to, you know, he got his shot and. Didn't take advantage of it necessarily in in uh, Rocky One, but he did in two. And I even enjoyed, you know, I even enjoyed Mr. T in three, and then Drago in four. I think those were all pretty good movies. I think I think when those Rocky movies, that's kind of when we were in college, and I think we probably saw those uh, together when they first came out. I know Rocky Four at least, you know, and that kind of that kind of brought James Brown into the into our uh, band as well. <laughs> oh, that's right. Living in America. Okay. Okay. So um, your number seven, this is my only drop that doesn't include any words, but I think you'll recognize it. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. And a movie that's not known for its quotes, but is absolutely recognizable by that, that classic theme song by Ennio Morricone, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Clint Eastwood makes my list again. Clint Eastwood is, is certainly one of my all-time favorite actors. Back-to-back Clint, yeah. Back-to-back Clint. Um, and But it's, it's just a, a great... Great tense uh, movie, a lot of really good editing, and they they moved the the uh, the music into the into it works so well. Uh, the final scene with with the Mexican showdown, uh, you know, with Clint and Lee Van Cleef and uh, Eli Wallach is is uh, it's cinematic gold. So uh, yeah, so that so that's my that's my seven. Okay, my number seven. Might require a little bit of explanation too. It's not that popular, but for whatever reason, this movie is just just got me, and it's just one of my all-time favorites. And I'll play the drop first. So it's more like them. Thank you. An all-powerful, mysterious God created the universe and then decided not to give any proof of its existence, or that it simply doesn't exist at all. That movie is called Contact. Yeah. And who the voice here is Jodie Foster. She is a scientist. Uh, you know, obviously doesn't believe in a greater power like a god. And her, she's talking to Matthew McConaughey, who in this movie is a. I'm not sure what his denomination is, but he's definitely a man of God, a pastor. And it's, it's the age-old question is, 
do you have faith in science or do you have faith in God? And it seems like those things are mutually exclusive. I don't know that they, they need to be, but that's just kind of the way that's just kind of the way it's evolved. And, um, you know, that wasn't a really successful movie or anything, but I loved it from the start. And it's just, that's why it's on my list. I think that movie kind of gives you or can lead the viewer to, to see a world where science and faith exist together. I think is one of the things that they, that they come away with because then Jodie Foster kind of learned a bit from, from Matthew McConaughey and then he learned some from her. And so they, I think that it kind of led them to, a, you know, a concept that, that there could be a, that faith and science can exist together. Yeah, exactly. Good one. Yeah. Okay, George, you're number six. This, um, this line, I don't care who you are, you know exactly what it's from. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Oh, man. Uh, Gone with the Wind is a movie that I loved from the very first time I saw it. I think it was re-released in theaters sometime in the 70s. Went and saw it with my parents. And it, it was it's a long movie, but, man, I just, every every minute of it, I, I really love. Uh, I think, and I think it holds up so well after after nearly 80 years. Uh, because it's a, a very legendary, deep performance by Vivian Lee, uh, where she plays this character that goes from from an innocent and conceited, you know, Southern belle to a, a strong and independent, self fulfilled woman who kind of like who, who makes a, a life for herself out of the shattered remains of of the post war uh, South. So. Uh, Large, largely for Vivian Lee, but also for some some great quotes and some great cinematography. So, uh, yeah, I, I can watch that movie any day. Well, that's I think that's a word. You know, everybody everybody knows that movie. Oh sure. So when you get that kind of universal appeal, um, you're really doing something. I think. All right. My number six. Here we go again. A, a movie that maybe a lot of people have not heard of. Um, well, there's not a specific line, so what I've got here, I've got a little 30-second trailer for the movie when it first came out. And the movie is called Arlington Road with uh, Jeff Bridges and Tim Robbins. So we'll just listen to this real quick. He's an expert in this field. I didn't know you thought of crossing terrorism. I was very frightened. <laughs> no, there's something going on over there. But the government doesn't suspect. So, here we go again. That's kind of another um, precursor to something that we unfortunately face quite a bit now. And that is domestic terrorism. Now that, that movie was released in 1999. So we had had Oklahoma City. So we had a little taste of, of you know, 
terrorism inside our own borders. Yep. But um, this movie, I just love because you know who the bad guy is and you know who the good guy is, but you really don't know how it's going to turn out. And um, you really have to write it out. Yeah. And I, I just think, I, I love, I just love that movie. And it's really obscure, so I highly recommend for all the people who haven't seen that, uh, see that movie. And and I did watch it on, on your recommendation, and I, I did enjoy it. It had a great ending. Uh, but don't want to don't want to give anything away for it. But yeah. it did have a very good suspenseful ending. Yep, it did. Okay, Georgie, you're number five. Um, I just this is the line I always remember from the movie. It's very short, but um, it was just just the one I remember. Who are those guys? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that is, and that's an, an oft-repeated line that uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance, the Sundance Kid. Uh, say to each other as they're being chased across the uh, the old west. Uh, they're on the run from from bounty hunters, and uh, you know, and there's there's a, a lot of great lines in that movie. A lot of great uh, chemistry between uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Um, I think probably my the most well, one certainly one of the most memorable scenes is when they're they're up on the rocks and they're getting cornered by the by the posse that's chasing them, and Sundance Kid wants to fight him out, and uh, and uh, Butch says no, we'll jump and they'll jump you know down this this hundred foot drop into this river, and uh, you know and Sundance doesn't want to, but they they end up jumping anyways. But the reason Sundance didn't want to is because he said he couldn't swim. Which caused Butch to laugh and say, "You, you idiot! The fall's going to kill you." Right. But uh, just a, a, you know, a great buddy movie. It's it's all it's not so much a yeah. You know, it, it really there are a lot of funny funny parts in the movie. Uh, just with the with the great chemistry and uh, and 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 a great ending too. Now was that Newman and um, their first? Newman and Redford, was that their first movie together? That was the first one they did. It came out in like 68 or 69. Uh, Initially, I think it it was supposed to be uh, Steve McQueen and Paul Newman, but they they couldn't argue over who got top billing. So so Steve McQueen left and Robert Redford came on. And the great thing it was, too, because the two of them, uh, they really lit up the screen. It worked out great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, on to my number five. Uh, I'll just play it and then explain it. But I think most people have heard of this movie. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, the senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? And that is our Lee Ermey uh, in full metal jacket, the meanest drill instructor you're ever going to come across. It's a Vietnam era movie, and the entire first half is about boot camp, and especially how hard 
uh, Sergeant Hartman is on uh, one of the privates that he has labeled as Gomer Pyle. Yep. And in the middle of the movie, that's a, there's a pretty dramatic scene. I'm not going to spill the beans on that. And then it goes into the second half where they're actually uh, serving in Vietnam. And it, it's kind of the second half really pulls down the first half, I think. But um, that first hour of that movie is excellent. And Ermi, who plays the drill sergeant, comes by it honestly as he was a Marine for 11 years, I believe. Yeah. So he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, I, I think, as, as I recall, he was, uh, he was just like a production consultant for, uh, for the movie. And then um, you know, when they kind of determined that he kind of played the role better than the actor they had playing the drill sergeant, they just fired the, the actor and, and brought him on to actually play the role. Well, I did not know that. So thanks for researching my movies. <laughs> just trying, just trying to be helpful. All right, number four on your list. Um, don't didn't have a definitive clip, but this is a pretty good one. I especially love the actor's uh, line at the very end. Okay. You take a standard issue GI sock, cram it with as much comp B as it can hold. Rig up a simple fuse, and you coat the whole thing with axle grease. That way, when you throw it, it should stick. The bomb is sticks, a sticky bomb. Come up with a better way to not the tracks off the tank. I'm all ears. This is good. Now we got to surrender our socks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> saving Private Ryan. That that was that was a, a, a good quote to pick. I I, I completely concur. Uh, it's a bomb that sticks. It's a sticky bomb. No, that that movie. Uh, I remember the first time I saw it. Uh, the opening half hour or whatever, when when they're storming Omaha Beach and and just getting the, the crap kicked out of them. Uh, I I was just left you know awestruck at, at watching what these guys went through. Again, it kind of takes us back to that that generation, kind of like what I said about Casablanca. It's it's that generation that really sacrificed and gave up a lot to defeat the most evil regime in the history of the world. So uh, I think that movie does a great job at really uh, showing what, what those guys went through. Yeah, it is. It's the, it's the greatest generation. We keep saying that every, every World War II movie, I can't believe the things they go through. That first half hour... I wonder how many people had to walk out. I mean, it was gruesome. I'm sure true to life, but wow. Unbelievable, those guys. Um, on to my number four. Um, it's pretty quick, but uh, you should recognize the voice. And that's Sean Connery. I thought that was the movie. Fun. The movie is Untouchables. Yeah. Um, it is basically the story of Elliot Ness, played um, by Kevin Costner, chasing down Al Capone, uh, played by Robert De Niro. Uh, this is when De Niro kind of went crazy and got into comedies and stuff like that. So he's still playing the bad guys. And it was just great to see the 
the uh, uh, the difference between how De Niro ran his gang and Elliot Ness ran his little group of four, and Sean Connery was an old uh, Chicago police officer, and um, I just I I loved everything about that movie, um, and so that's why it's ranked four as high as but. Um, I, I I love Sean Connery, and I just love the way that whole movie was done. Well, hey, if, you know, if anyone can bring down Al Capone, it's got to be James Bond, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he played James Bond, too? Gosh. Okay. <laughs> Did it all. Yeah. Um, okay, George, here is your number three, another. Um, this is kind of a more obscure line. But um, it leads to, like, one of the most important scenes in the movie. Okay. Nice college boy, eh? Didn't want to get mixed up in the family business. Eh? Now you want to gun down a police captain because he slapped you in the face a little bit? Eh? What do you think? Army where you shoot him a mile away? You got to get a post like this. Throw that brains all over your nice side league suit. Good, good selection. I, I, that would that's one of the greatest quotes on the movie, and, and a movie that has a lot of great quotes. But yeah, James Con, bada bing, uh, The Godfather, and I also include The Godfather Part Two because the two really are inseparable. Uh, just a, a beautiful cinematography and storytelling. Uh, it's kind of the story of what what really is the all American dream. It's it's about a family that that comes to this country in, in poverty. And they build a family empire. Okay, so so granted, it was it was a, a a crime syndicate they built, but it was still, in a way, you know, you can think of it as the American dream. You know, you kind of, you he came by all of that stuff through, you know, the the Corleone family through his own uh, hard work and enterprise, and um, and you know, and his his dream was to to have his his son Michael Corleone, uh, you know go into politics and try and make a ostensibly honest living for himself. But, you know, then Michael goes into the family business too. And, and, uh, uh, but, you know, it's kind of a really is just a great family, not a family movie, but a, a great yeah. about a family. How's that? Yeah. I've never heard, heard anybody paint the Corleones with such a nice brush like that. Yeah. <laughs> Very well done. So well, we already covered that was, my number. Vito, Vito, he wouldn't get into drugs. You know, the drugs are a dirty business. He wouldn't do it. So, you know, he, he tried to keep it clean. That's true. Got to give him credit for that. Yeah. My number three we already established was It's a Wonderful Life. So we'll go right back to you. Now we're getting serious now. And here is your number two uh, favorite movie.
<laughs> so stop it there, George. Right. That man, that scene, that scene gets me every time. First of all, you know, it's it's such a a heartfelt scene. Uh, music from that movie, uh, it's it may be the most perfect blending of of music into a movie that I've ever heard. But Schindler's List uh, is just one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, it's it's really the ultimate story of, of redemption and sacrifice. It's about a, a guy who's really not a very nice guy, and he becomes a savior to literally thousands and thousands of people, not only for just the people he saved, but for the generations that followed them. And, you know, it's just, it's just about this guy. He was a member of the Nazi Party. Uh, he, was, he was a womanizer. He was a war profiteer. He did all these really really awful things. Uh, but then, you know, he, he developed a, a consciousness over the course of this movie. Uh, and at the end, he really made an ultimate sacrifice and, and saved quite literally thousands and thousands of people. So, uh, just a, a tremendous story. Yeah, it is. It's not, yeah, I mean, it's a good historical movie and, it certainly doesn't make you feel good, but it was an important movie and a very good movie. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I talked about there was two monologues that were my favorites. And here's the other one for my number two movie. So if you've got kids in the car and you're listening to this, um, put the earmuffs on. <laughs> and Goodfellas. Uh, I love Joe Pesci and I love that Goodfellas movie. Um, he is talking to Ray Liotta who's playing the character of Henry Hill which is a true story. Uh, Henry Hill turned squealer on the mob and uh, he's still alive. I think he lives in Arizona but I don't know if anybody's supposed to know that. <laughs> Great, you just but, like play. But I've, I've blown it for now. But um, I love that movie. Um, just a lot, of, a lot of characters, and just how that, how the mob just kind of did whatever they wanted to do. And um, I, you know, I like that movie. I like that movie from the first time I ever saw. It. I, I like the scene when they're they're in the the prison and the guys the guy in the prison, but he's like cooking dinner and he's got you know making spaghetti and exactly they just got everything yeah, get anything they wanted any best food doesn't matter yeah prison life okay now we're up to number one and um this is kind of a short little drop jordan but this is the one that i think you wanted to hear and then you you got some explaining to do on this movie because <laughs> i i before you gave me this list i had never seen it and I don't know if a lot of people have, but uh, you can tell us what it means to you. All right. What are you doing? I don't stop here. Okay, yeah, that is that is from Mulholland Drive, which uh, it, it's a really t 
tough movie to kind of get a handle on the, the first time you watch it. I remember the first time I watched it, I wasn't entirely sure what I had just seen, uh, but I had a sense that it was something really good. So I watched it a, a couple more times and each, with each viewing, it becomes clearer and clearer as to what's going on. But it's really what it is. It's, it's kind of the story of this uh, young girl who goes to Hollywood with all these dreams of becoming a big star. And she just kind of gets ground up into the, into the whole Hollywood machine. Uh, and the movie itself is really about her, her dreaming uh, this more idealistic life of what she wanted. For, and this is for probably the first two thirds of the movie, and then it, and then on the way through she wakes up, and then you see it's you see her more in the life that she's living, uh, in just this this despair, uh, and so as a, as a movie it's kind of a, a critique of of the Hollywood dream in in a lot of the way that Sunset Boulevard was, which is another great movie that would probably be in my top twenty dramas. Uh, but Mulholland Drive is, I, I call it eerie, and it's seemingly disjointed, but everything kind of fits together in it. And uh, Naomi Watts, I think, gives one of the best performances that I have ever seen anyone give in, in a movie. And she didn't even get nominated for an Oscar. So I always thought that was one of the biggest Oscar slights uh, of all time. But that's that's me, number one. Yeah, that's good. Like I said, I watched it, and I, I've only watched it once, and um, just because of everything you filled me in on, I kind of understand it more, but if I was just to have seen that on my own, I would still be, my head would still be spinning, <laughs> but it's good. I appreciate you pointing that out. All right. Okay. okay. All right. My number one, you thought you were going to cry before, George. This one's going to get you. All righty. And that is the final scene of Field of Dreams. In my, in my opinion, the greatest movie of all time. Um, and the you hear the voice. I mean, everybody knows this movie, so I'm not, there's no spoiler alert, but you hear that, you know, if you build it, he will come. And we're trying to figure that out. Was it to redeem Shoeless Joe Jackson? Uh, was it to redeem Terrence Mann? What what was it all about? And then I think we found out that it was really to to reunite uh, Kevin Costner's character with his dad. Yep. Uh, and and I know you've told me before that 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 last scene chokes you all up. I know you've lost your dad. Yep. Um, and I know you guys spent a lot of time playing catch, but but. Outside of the personal meaning to you, um, I just, I just love that movie. It had some, had some comedic moments in it, and oh, a lot of, a lot of comedic moments in it, and, um, but I classify it as a drama, um, and it is my number one with a bullet. I, I love that movie. One of my all-time favorites. I even, uh, I even made the trip out to. Dyersville, Iowa, and I saw the actual field 
and the house where all that was filmed. And, you know, and it was goosebump time. It was great. Oh, yeah. I mean, and as you know, and not to give anything away, but with this movie may come up uh, when we talk about our comedies. I'm not, not giving anything away. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's also one of my favorite movies. Uh, some, some great lines and, and an ending. That, yeah, it, it gets me every time. Can't watch, it, can't watch the ending of that movie without crying. So, I got you. Great. Okay, well, I'll dry your tears, <laughs> and then we'll get, get a list ready. We will um, – our next uh, podcast will be – hopefully we can knock it out in a week or two. Um, but uh, it will be our top ten comedies. And this, uh, this podcast, you're listening to it now. When you finish this, listening to this, it's probably going to ask you to give it a star rating and uh, maybe perhaps put a comment in there. And we'd appreciate it if you do that. This is a new adventure for us. But um, it, it's, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for us. And, I think and if, so. you, if, you, if you people could help us out, we would appreciate that. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, George. Great talking to you. Good talk to you. Um, and uh, until next time. All right, man. We'll see you.